same China, different stories. We are the ones that found their way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. Are you ready? Welcome back to ABC. This is Tara, and I have with me Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi. It's really exciting to be with Katie in person recording because I'm in New York now, and that's where Katie has been living for a bit of time. I decided this week that I wanted to do a birthday episode podcast because today is my birthday. We're recording earlier, but today is my birthday, and yeah, I figure I would flip the script and have Katie sort of talk with me. Before we begin, I wanted to update everybody because I talk about you a lot and say that Katie has finished her master's. Yes. Okay. <laughs> She's finished her master's, and now... I don't know, did you, did you finish your story, or you're getting there? You're getting, getting there. there. Getting there. Which is yes. a pretty big deal, because you've been writing it for... Quite some time. I'd say two years, but four years in the making kind of thing. I was going <laughs> to say, longer you. than we've known each other. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it's exciting to have Katie. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like I dragged you into this one. Oh, no, you didn't drag me in at all. <laughs> Here we go. Because it's your birthday... I think, uh, naturally, we should talk a little more about you and get to know your background and, and you know, why why this podcast and what your overall mission is, so to speak. So, please, Tara, share more about your story. I would say my story, what has been heard on the podcast, I'll probably repeat now, but I was four years old when I was adopted from Ningbo. Ningbo, China. I came to a family in on the East Coast in the U.S. with they already had two sons in their family, and they wanted to add a daughter. I was fortunate to be that daughter. Growing up, I was exposed to a lot of diversity in my area. I was able to engage with Chinese culture, and my family really emphasized a lot of discipline. <laughs> Yes, so that would say that's primarily my story. And then growing up, I went through a lot of similar stuff that a lot of us adoptees go through. It was actually not until after university, probably three years post-university, that I started to have interest in connecting more with adoption. I've always had a connection to our Chinese culture, but not to the extent of appreciating it until recently. And that's how we met, because... When I started having interest in adoption, that's when I joined some of those Facebook groups, found out we were from the same orphanage, which I think is pretty cool, and I always want to emphasize that. <laughs> I would say the story is continuing and will continue, of course, as life happens with its ups and downs, and the podcast has definitely been in up during the quarantine, and the mission originally and I still stick to it, is really have a platform where adoptees can talk about themselves and share their story and talk about things that they have thought about or what they like to do, why they enjoy doing what they're doing. I find that it's going well so far. My long-term goals, which I had already achieved, were to interview with, with adoptees outside of the U.S., and I have done that, and also interview my first guy adoptee, 
which I have done. That episode isn't out yet, but I have done that. And now I'm thinking really long term later on would be really great to speak with Chinese adoptees who I guess have more fame right now. So actors and athletes specifically comes to mind. Scout Bassett, I believe Scout is a Olympian track star. It's pretty cool her story. Wow. Um, she has a she's an amputee even, as well. Wow. Even more interesting. But I don't know much about her story at all. I think she's posted about it. But it'd be cool to like speak with her too. So that would be a really cool long term goal to speak with adoptees who I guess have more fame, but also just to speak with more adoptees with different backgrounds because we are all very unique in our own stories even though we all talk about very similar traumas I want to say similar tough what's the word challenges yeah (laughs) as well but yeah I would say that pretty much sums up my story I I honestly thought that about this the other day it feels like I truly started to grow up a little bit more the day I left my parents house during the quarantine because there was a lot of security and comfort involved with being close to home or following a lot of expectations that were set for me by my family. Go to university, get a job, and not a lot of those things worked out. And then when I left, it kind of felt, no, not kind of, it truly felt like it was time for me to really learn more about my identity and grow. But yeah, that would say that's that sums up the story pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, thank you for sharing. As you last just said, you moved away from Maryland, and now you're in New York. And I want to know a little more, like, how does it feel moving to New York, and how has it been doing the podcast in New York, especially seeing some adoptees in person? Ooh, yes. New York is home to a lot of adoptees. New York is home to a lot of people. (laughs) I want to say that it does have a different feel from where... I grew up too and a lot of us who I've a lot of adoptees I've spoken with too I think it's similar for anybody adoptee or not to feel this way about when you grow up where you grew up and it's considered home and then when you go to a new city a bigger city or if you even went to a very rural town that it, it's it's like a culture shock in a sense but it's more of an adjustment it's more of a culture right. adjustment absolutely rather than like a complete shift or change And I would say moving to New York, I'll be honest, I moved because of the marathon. That was a big part of it. I got a job, too. I do have a job. Oh, that's the other thing. My job starts tomorrow after this episode releases, which is really exciting. Yes. Yes. But I have a job. And being able to run around New York is amazing. Going back to running, which I talk about a lot, and I post a lot, as many people who follow the account will see my lovely skyscraper views, skyline views. <laughs> Moving to New York, I believe being able to run was a nice adjustment into the city, figure out where to go, because I have learned pretty quickly to get around New York. It takes a lot longer than it would to get around in a more spread out area, I want to say. There's a lot of lights and stop signs here. Meeting adoptees in person, I want to say it's, at first it was very overwhelming and kind of shocking because I hadn't really met a lot of adoptees in person other than you, and our meetings were more one-on-one, so it was like very, and we had talked a lot before we met. That's true. 
but then meeting these adoptees, I connected through doing the podcast too, actually. It was sort of overwhelming because it's a new person, it's a new relationship, and already feeling a little bit uncertain about my relationships and how to navigate those. I was definitely overwhelmed, and it still is overwhelming too. I also did have my car, but no longer have my car, which was a loss in a big way. It's a huge adjustment. It's a huge adjustment not having a car anymore in the city, but people I've told recently and just a few have said, well, you are a city person now. We just talked about New York. Thanks for sharing your experience. I mean, I can relate to a lot of things you said. Um, I didn't give up my car, but I definitely struggled with learning the subways and getting lost on multiple avenues and streets (laughs) and just confusing myself in many places all over the city. So, I mean, you ran through it. So I feel like you have a totally a different perception and different like feel for the city that I did, arguably better. So I'm glad you're adjusting and it's really nice to see you in person. But to, to switch back really quick, going back to China, I wanted to know, have you been back to the place where you were born and if not or even if you have do you have any interest in going back uh where you were born Ooh. okay so it's really fun to have you on this episode because i feel like i've talked about going back to china where we were born essentially and i want to get too much of the story out there but i feel like i have an i had an advantage that you didn't have going back to china at that time and i think i can say this because it won't I won't take away from your story, I'm sure. Okay. Because we had met because you went to China and you right. essentially just posted about it. Yes. And then I responded to it probably like more than a year later. Yeah. Which is kind of face- Facebook algorithms. I don't know what happened, but it's something <laughs> crazy. But it was after that where when I was in China and I did get to go back, it was a very comfortable experience I want to say is the best word it's a comfortable experience because I got to accomplish something that I wanted to do didn't know I really wanted to do which was to go back to the orphanage but it felt very staged the whole entire experience Mm, yeah Uh, the nice part of the trip though is before going back to the orphanage I did go to Guilin and study a little bit of Mandarin And then before that, I actually was in the capital and went to the Great Wall and did some of those very touristy things that I I appreciate my dad set up pretty much. He he organized a lot of the trip. It's like, well, you are Chinese and it's good to like see the big stuff, I feel like. Yeah, you had a really unique experience. I think one that, from what I know, most adoptees might not have access to because your dad taught at those schools right and Mm -hmm. you kind of went along with him but also made this part of your trip and took time to visit Ningbo like alone or rather with him and yeah that's Mm -hmm. really cool I did find time to go off on my own which was really great I Mm -hmm. tend to do that a lot in situations when I go to places that I'm not familiar with well I've been doing that obviously in New York too but whenever I've traveled or if I'm with people, I tend to always, like, go off and do my own thing for a little bit. Uh, and it always pays off more than sticking to what I know because you learn a lot more. But I think exactly what you were saying with my dad 
that is a unique experience. I think that's also a unique experience for me in that my dad has studied Mandarin for 20 plus years. Pretty fluent. I think he did set a lot of foundation for me to connect a lot back with like Chinese culture and also to go back to China at any time. I think what we were saying, I guess that leads into a whole conversation about COVID and stuff. Yeah. I feel like you, I don't know what your thought is, but like after this is... After this is resolved to a certain level, there's going to be a change no matter what. Like, it, there's already yes. a shift, I feel, in New York. I agree. Totally. So, like, China? I can't even imagine what it's going to look like or what kind of place it will be. I mean, it was already super cautious, you know, for disease and just the way they interact, people interact with each other. But now I just, I feel like it's going to be on a whole other level. And it just might be even more strict and more controlling than it was before to be honest it, it even when i was there i just felt like there was this sense of like you have to do a certain thing a certain way because if you don't you're gonna get looked at even if you don't speak chinese oh yeah <laughs> so i'm sure there will be a lot more of that a heightened awareness yeah and i think too the whole world is watching china because unfortunately that's where it started and that's historically where it started and Right. Um, there's going to be a lot of expectation and a lot of, you know, just looking over the shoulder for a long time of what this country is going to do and how it's going to come back. Because it mm -hmm. still is like an economic superpower, but it's like with this, you know, I guess we can ask the U.S. too, because right. <laughs> we're kind of in the same place. Like, yeah, we're a superpower, but at the same time. Know. Well, I guess the biggest thing in the U.S. is there's been a lot of heightened awareness around racism and the systemic racism that has been going mm -hmm. on in the country for yes. who knows how long, but a really long time. In a sense, maybe that's also in China. It's not as publicized if there's a lot of heightened awareness about the difference between, I guess, a Chinese citizen and also not a Chinese citizen. Or like mainland and Hong Kong. Right. Or, Yeah. Even yeah. the slightest differences. That's true. And break. I feel like, truly, I think it would be really cool to go back to Ningbo. Not with my family, like not with my dad. On my own or even like, or even like with somebody like you. Because we have that, we, ha we share that mm -hmm. common root there, I want to say. Uh... But I think yes. I would want to go back. I don't know if I would want to go back and visit our orphanage, per se. Because <laughs> that was a one-and-done deal for now. Maybe I'll feel differently in the future. But I, I think you're right that there might be a heightened awareness about... There might be a heightened awareness that we're not from China. That we are American or Canadian mm -hmm. or whatever. Wherever... I shouldn't say whatever wherever we are all adopted to the countries we're from that we all have that nationality and we share that with the country that we were adopted to um True. i feel like the thought i'm trying to make with this little rant is oh so i guess not a rant if it's an interview for me <laughs> but the point i'm trying to make is because of everything going on with the pandemic even podcasting alone so it's like this is one of the many podcasts that have been created and released focusing on Chinese culture and adoptees I should say Asian culture because there's a lot of Asian adoptees and 
though okay this is a sidebar but a lot of people keep asking like why is it only adopted babies from china and not like other people or other asians and my answer to that is the more specific that you can be with a project or a focus the less challenges you might face because when you put in more parameters it becomes a little bit harder so that's my answer to that question which i might include just as a random side that makes sense yeah i also Mm. like the ring it has a nice ring adopted babies from china (laughs) i mean there's a lot of us out there there are so it, it kind of i feel also just it's what you know personally i totally understand what you're saying about um just this hyper awareness of our race and then also now being american with the stigma of you know one country that supposedly started this and one country that can't control it like there's just this you know back and forth this uh (laughs) duality that i don't think anyone really wants to be identified with right now Mm -hmm. um but jumping to another topic i wanted to ask a question that you ask a lot of adoptees i'm just gonna go for it um is there anything you would want to hear from other adoptees and how adoption is a huge part of their life that's a good question. Whenever I ask this, I always am curious because it's a, such a loaded question, I guess. Because while doing the podcast, too, and speaking with more and more adoptees, I would say something that I personally would really enjoy hearing is more about not necessarily identity and race as much as more of identity and how they're maturity has happened is that the right word yeah i think it's yeah like the evolution like their growth their growth there we go okay that's what we're gonna put i would i would say definitely more about their growth and evolution because we all share so much similarity in a lot of core themes of adoption and what we face especially chinese adoptees one child nation and all the political backing behind it But each of us, how we grow is very unique because some adoptees, I think, feel, I mean, when they're younger, some of them are still very mature for that age or it's the opposite. As we get older, we may not be maturing and our viewpoints are differently. So it's kind of just like about the growth a little bit more. I guess it's more of psychology a little bit. And I don't know, I'm not an expert on psychology. I've spoken to a couple people who've done some very detailed work revolving around psychology and anthropology however on a more like emotional level i think talking about growth is ultimately what connects us to that would be my that'd be my take on that one (laughs) i love that um because i feel like initially even in my own experiences talking to adoptees we kind of share the things that are growing pains but we don't always talk about how we're growing from them or like where we are now so that's a great you know uh hope and aspiration from adoptees coming onto your podcast yeah so yeah that that's all the questions right yeah there is kind of one i was thinking of adding oh go for it yeah we're gonna put this one on the record since i just i wanted to ask you first before oh yeah no go for it genuine reaction is always good (laughs) okay So now I actually just want to ask you one question that I've been wondering about personally. Uh, We kind of talked about in the beginning how this podcast was started. And I know 
you just started, but you've also gained a lot of traction and you're moving along. And so my question is, how has this impacted you? And, mm. you know, how do you see it impacting you going forward with Ooh. the podcast or just in everyday life and your personal life? Yeah. I just wondering. Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good question, actually. I surprised I didn't think of that myself. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So move starting the podcast and how it's impacted me well the core the core motivator to start the podcast was a combination of hearing about your writing honestly and then because that's something you've done for a really significant amount of time and I also felt pretty connected when I got a chance to read some of your writing that's when it really like lit up I was like oh my goodness this is like very powerful. I really wonder if there's like something in me that I can find with doing that kind of work too. And I'm not going to be a writer because I'm very straightforward. Anything I write is very much, I'm a better writer for factual things, <laughs> not necessarily fiction. And it's very strong, but doing the podcast and it's been, I started April 13th and this, this is September 14th. So that's, mm -hmm. that's about what? Five months. Yeah. Five months. Okay. Yeah. So far, I think also because doing the podcast during the time of the pandemic and going through quite a few life different challenges, life challenges um, that I know I've talked about on the podcast too, but even now there's a lot, I think connecting with adoptees through this platform has been a way for me to, in a way it's like a sense of a therapy, mm. like talking with adoptees and hearing about their story or similarities that I can find with my story about in theirs because... I mean, truly, when anybody does work like this, it it's self-serving, too. So it's like, I'm doing this to learn more about myself, and I can sort of relate to others in different aspects of their story. And it's also, I truly have sometimes try to find or speak with adoptees who share a similar background to what I have been through with uh, siblings who were biological and then who are biological and then being like the youngest sibling who is adopted, like what's your experience? Like I've, I've wanted to sort of learn from them what they've experienced. And so I would say it's definitely impacted me as like a therapy. I think going forward, I think having this, the, the podcast has been a consistency throughout this as a therapy. I plan to continue doing it because I, I've set up like a format that I feel can transcend and be consistent and maintain throughout all people I speak with. And then I'm also hoping later on it would be wonderful to also speak with adoptees and other people where adoption's been a part of their life. I always add that, but I haven't gotten to that point where I've been able to speak with adoptees on that level. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily mean adoptive parents. I think obviously that's a part of the process experience. But there's also, there's a lot of adoptees I've spoken with who have adopted sisters or adoptees who have their biologicals siblings well there probably are adoptees with biological siblings to them but also adoptees who were adopted into families with biological siblings mm -hmm. I should say but it'd be kind of cool to hear that perspective too like not just our, our us as adoptees but there, I think there's room to I guess the best example would be like you have a sister who's adopted from China too like having both of you talk mm -hmm. would be interesting just to hear yeah. Of course, it depends on the comfortability <laughs> of the individuals. But I definitely thought of those types of 
interviews later on I think would be really nice for going forward because it is like a therapy and I I've learned while doing the podcast too because this is added to the question because I think it's true is I I do have a strong I've discovered my ability or I've rediscovered my ability to facilitate conversation and a lot of like planning and work a lot of planning in a professional environment, I've been able to facilitate conversations, sort of guide it or help direct it. And I've noticed that with doing the podcast that I'm more, that is actually a strength I have. And I've been able to sort of work on that strength of helping to facilitate conversation and really like get information from people that they may not share right away, but I've been able to do that. So it's kind of nice to key into that as well. <laughs> totally and you know it, it sounds like you've really made such a safe space and like such a trusted space for these adoptees coming onto your podcast so you know I only wish you the best luck going forward with it and Yay. now that you're in New York I'm sure it will be like double triple the amount of connections and in-person interviews just like oh, yeah. networking well, thank you so much for letting me interview you for your thank birthday. Thank you. Episode. Yeah. Um, happy birthday and happy Mid Autumn Festival. Yes. That's it. Jong Cho Kwai La. Jong Cho Kwai La is the. That's what I'm named after. Yes. Well, thank you for interviewing. This was pretty fun. As everybody knows, the social channels are Adopted Babies from China pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Adopted Babies from China at gmail.com. I did make a Twitter because why not? I've noticed there's not a lot of Chinese adoptees on there, but there's there's a Twitter now called Chinese Adopt Pod. Nice. <laughs> because it's very direct. And then yeah, I think those are the big things because I always ask social media. My personal Instagram is Land of Running Tara. Uh, did you want to share your Instagram? Or? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, it's just my name, Katie Isles, K A T I E, and then two S's at the end of my last name, I L E S S. Yeah, I'm sure you'll find Katie as well. <laughs> and I agree. I think a lot more in person interviews will be great to have because there are quite a few of us in the new york city new york area and yeah i think i think that's everything goodbye for now (laughs) okay thank you for having me on here until we meet again until we meet again we will see each other again thank you for listening to abc birthday episode (laughs) bye katie Bye for now. Bye for now.